you're a writer, the easiest thing to ever write about is a family. Why? Because families have dynamics, and those dynamics are almost always dramatic with a capital D. At the core of this drama is deviation. No two families are alike, yet the idea of family is hardwired into your audience's psyche. Everyone knows what a family's supposed to be like. Leave it to Beaver, All in the Family, The Simpsons, Malcolm in the Middle, Modern Family. Sitcoms are an American tradition that reflects the current zeitgeist of how families exist in the moment. Sometimes satirizing, sometimes genuine in the reflection, but always leaving an impression in the viewer and public at large about what the word family is supposed to denote. So when you show a family that deviates from this supposed norm, it immediately invokes a sense of difference, a sense of dynamism. Siblings are supposed to be loving, so what happens when two of them disagree? Children are naturally rebellious, but what happens when that rebellion goes too far? Mothers are supposed to be nurturing and caring, so why does Lucille Bluth not care much for Job? These deviations from our expectations open up new ways of looking at the characters, flavoring and shifting them to explain those deviations from the norms. Shakespeare was keen to leverage the atypical family in his writing. Whether it was the notoriously dysfunctional royals with their backstabbing and murder schemes, or the smaller scale tragedies of families torn apart by shipwrecks or mistaken identities, Shakespeare used fractured families and their twisted priorities to give us dynamic characters and intricate plots. The familial nature of these stories also makes them easier to understand. From As You Like It's Bickering Brothers to King Lear's familial civil war, Shakespeare knew that family provides a relatable core to these tales. We may not know what it's like to be a prince, but more of us know what it's like to be upstaged by our bigger, more successful sibling, which makes Richard III's hatred for Edward just a little bit more relatable. We may not have an uncle who married our mother, but, well, we all realize how weird that would feel for Hamlet. Family is a key backdrop of Shakespeare's plays, on par with the Elizabethan politics and society we've talked about so much on this podcast. So this episode, we're looking at that backdrop in detail. What was the Elizabethan ideal of the family? How did Shakespeare toy with that idea in his work? Where are the happy families, the unhappy ones? When is the family a stand-in for something larger? And what seems to be Shakespeare's take on the quote-unquote typical family dynamic? Since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward. An infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertainment. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Aiden. I'm Lindsay. And this is the Big Spot. And as Aiden so eloquently summed up, we you always, will be... You always describe it as eloquent. I do. Well, why not? You think it's eloquent? Yeah, well, you did a good job. Done this one. This one. Not so much the others. No, you've done... Anyway, as he so eloquently <laughs> summed up, we will be talking about Shakespeare's family dynamics yes. on this. Well, not Shakespeare's family, but the family dynamics that Shakespeare plays with in his plays. His plays, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and we uh, you know, we thought this would be a good one because we just did King Lear. And mm-hmm. that, that's really the family play of, of all family plays because it is basically yes. just a family drama writ large. Um, and it's it's interesting because we, we talked about that uh, last episode and we kind of touched on like, well, is this an allegory? Is it is it more mm-hmm. than just an individual family? Uh, and Lear tended to lean a little more towards the allegorical, we, we kind of agreed. Um, but then there's some that are just like raw family you know, and they feel familiar. What was interesting was when we when we plotted out what we were going to be 
talking about, not just in this episode, but over the course of our whole podcast, this segment of our podcast, um, I'm like, Shakespeare and family, yeah, we'll deal with that when we get there. And I thought there wasn't really going to be a lot to talk about. And we put it after Lear because we thought we would talk about Lear specifically. But then as we started talking about the plays, it's like, well, is there a single play that doesn't have some kind of family yeah. drama in it? Yeah. Or, you know, where are are there any happy families in Shakespeare <laughs> at all? And we found there was a lot more to talk about. Um, not just about Lear. Because, yeah, like Aiden said, we, we kind of... We, we did that one to death last week. so yeah. Or two weeks ago. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so there are quite a few uh, interesting things. And I think... To talk about Shakespeare's fat, like his treatment of the family, we do have to kind of talk about what the ideal was mm-hmm. um, that Shakespeare was up against, or or aping, or satirizing, or Just, trying to emulate. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really, I mean, the Elizabethan family dynamic was, uh, you know, a microcosm of the Elizabethan overall societal structure, yeah. right? There's there's a, a, a head king, of the yeah, there's the head of the family, a king, almost always. Forget that it's the Elizabethan standard for a second, uh, and it's it is a patriarchal hierarchical mm-hmm. structure with the father at the top, and everyone else uh, serving and uh, owing allegiance to him, and uh, you know he he runs the household. Mm-hmm. He is the the king of his house, mm-hmm. the lord of the manor, the king of the household. I don't remember the rest of that stuff from uh, Fifth Element, but anyways, <laughs> uh, was it Fifth Element? No, I'm thinking of a different movie. You might be. I I'm don't... just making stuff up at this point. Anyways, yeah, the the king was there. He was the 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 leader of the of the country, and the father is the, the leader of the household. The mothers, though, did handle the finances and were had a very important role in the housekeeping, yes. so they couldn't be discounted entirely. Yes, um, and that was kind of considered like below the of men, course, you know, yes. to look after. But it was money it was stuff. possible yes. for a woman to be the head of her own household if there were no old enough male heirs she was a widow or um you know yeah maybe you might be looked at as a witch but you could live (laughs) on your own there were spinsters they did call them spinsters still um so there were there were uh women near the top of the hierarchy but Mm -hmm. of course you would be preceded by um any sons you had yes would would eventually rise you know take over yeah. yeah Um, so and and talk about inheritance and all that stuff. Yeah, well, like, yeah, it all that, favored sons. That that was my general. next point. Was just that yeah, the the legal system was yeah. really just structured around that that uh, patriarchal mm-hmm. hierarchical uh, structure of the men inheriting from the father. Yeah. Sometimes even you know professions would automatically be inherited. Like you you just pick up your father's gloving profession if you yes. were going to go and be a playwright, something like that. So it was it was just assumed this was this was the the legal and structural underpinning. Um, of the society, but obviously that doesn't always work, right? Like especially you in a play. <laughs> you know, yeah, in a play. But I mean, even in in the real yes. life, I mean, yes, men died and left women with you know an inheritance, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they had their own household, and, mm-hmm. uh, or they had small children only, and it would take ten years for them to grow up and take over the household. So. Yeah. Th- Again, it's an it's an ideal. An ideal, exactly. It's not what it Aspirational. was. Aspirational. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's what you know. Uh, especially this. Lindsay looked at my list of sitcoms that I mentioned, and she's yes. like, "The Simpsons." That's not how families are supposed to be. I'm like, no, but it, it's a reflection of how families are in the yes. moments. You know, everyone. You know, Maggie was the the point three. Everyone was had two point three kids was right. the average in 1989 or whatever it was. You know, th- so they're they're satirizing it, but they're also reflecting it back to yes. uh, the society in which these people are living, right? So I think Shakespeare is kind of doing that a lot in a mm-hmm. lot of his plays. Uh, 
because those the the ideal reality didn't exist very often i would imagine because people are people and yeah. there's not always going to be a strong male figure and a woman who wants to you know cook and clean by his side right exactly uh, yeah so it's 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 more dynamic than that and that's what shakespeare's doing and we're and also taking the what the people are expecting and what the people understand and when you can when you have that basic understanding you can put it up on stage and you can mess with things you can mm-hmm. do the gender uh, swap yeah. and mistaken identities and and it plays differently it's it's you know when you talk about the simpsons or you talk about modern family and you talk about the changing families of uh, that are reflected on tv today or or even unconventional families like new girl for example that's a family yeah, yeah. right family so thing, yeah. um it it's they're tropes that you understand mm-hmm. that then can be played with and reveal new and exciting things so so even when shakespeare is playing with an old story like you know an ancient greek or roman yeah. based story you can Tries still exactly yeah, you yeah. can still um, see the Elizabethan ideal reflected in that, even though it, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. On a like a, a chronological <laughs> a level yeah, exactly, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, Again, it still makes sense. Lear, to, uh, you know, yeah. having dukes of Albany when Albany didn't exist. You know, like right. th- these kind of things, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you kind of touched on it uh, earlier, Lindsay. We went looking for happy families, and yeah. I think this is part of. Uh, the way that Shakespeare is playing with that the, that ideal and deviating from mm-hmm. it, um, we went looking for happy families, and there weren't any. Really, None that we, we could struggled. think of. Like, like I just, I think we came that we came to the understanding that you could reconcile as a family. Yes, but to, you could potentially end the story with a happy family. But there was no real sense of families that maybe the closest you would get is like. A Merry Wives of Windsor type yeah. relationship, yes, where it's playfully but, ribbing, but there's still undercurrents of jealousy and, yeah. and anger. And yeah. so, is it really truly happy? No, I mean, I would like, argue that's that's, that's the I mean. joy of that play is that yeah. yeah, it's like this man is so uncertain of his position as the man of the house right. that that's where all the comedy comes of from. Of course. Right? So yeah, I think like it's it's interesting to say that to say like there's no really solid happy families and are you surprised though because really the foundations of of any story whether it's drama or comedy is not being happy you have to be dissatisfied (laughs) to go on a hero's journey right you need some conflict there has to be conflict so this is this is why next generation first couple of seasons struggled so much (laughs) right because gene roddenberry (laughs) didn't allow conflict between the characters yeah it is i mean it's hard to just introduce an antagonist that the whole family whether it's a tng found family or what have you mm-hmm. to, to rail against is 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 a difficult thing because yeah. yeah having those those difficulties within the family is part yeah. of a natural thing and and it is totally normal to you know yeah. disagree with your family of and, course and fight and and uh i think what shakespeare does though is kind of turn it into its head in in the sense that the family kind of dissolves in almost every case in some way, shape or form. Yeah. The, the, the family unit breaks down. Well, it's, it's, you know, you mentioned it being a microcosm of the society mm-hmm. that it's, that it's based in, but it's also kind of a, a hyper realistic version of it too. Like it's going to yeah. take, you know, not everybody is going to experience their their mother marrying their uncle right that's a pretty extreme case of family dysfunction um most average family dysfunction can be smoothed over right 
so when you take it and you pump it up you to this it off, yeah. this high level, of course it's going to explode dramatically. But that's what we want when we watch a play, when we when we go to this the theater. We mm-hmm. don't want to see not always, you know, a family drama that you right, know resolves yeah. amicably. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, it's true. Even when it's when it's something rather mundane yeah know? like i think of like the family stone is yeah. like a perfect family movie in the sense that they are they're a good family but that doesn't stop them from having unhappy dynamics at times right like they're they're all upset about the mother dying and the him the dude the good looking dude wanting to give the ring away and what's her name showing up and then you've got uh hands and pants i McGee. really hope that our audience <laughs> has seen the christmas film the depressing as fuck christmas film the family uh, Stone. because i am doing a great job <laughs> of summarizing but uh, yeah no that, that's that's always my kind of like uh, my great uh, understanding of a, of a family dynamic because it's it still has that feeling of family like everybody still loves each other and cares for each other but it doesn't get in the way of having some drama in the family, which is the most realistic version of of a positive. Family I guess you're seen. you're going against what I said, which is that yeah. when you go to the the movies, you want to see things writ large. Yeah, yeah, that, I, that's there's a point to that. You're the antithesis of <laughs> of me right now. Wow, is there a trouble in this family? Anyways, the, <laughs> touching on that, uh, yeah. and part of what makes it work in Shakespeare's level is that families aren't just families in a lot yeah. of cases. Families are political systems or political units. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the histories are the number one uh, yeah, Literal that, political units yeah. when you're dealing with kings and queens. <laughs> exactly, and, and they're all related, but yeah. uh, you know, the, the sense of family is not foremost in this. It's, yeah. it's definitely a political function. Um, I, I'd argue that something like Romeo and Juliet also functions that way where the two warring families don't really seem very much like families like I mean you have a bit of the family dynamics on Juliet's side with her mother and her father and her but her father is acting in a political way of being like you will marry well that's that's like a family political like like the the I think I don't remember if we call it like small p political when we did our Shakespeare yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. It's like personal politics, right? Yeah. Versus like big society politics. Yeah. But they're they're intertwined. I think there's there's yeah. It's yeah. less capital P politics and, it's and le- more yes. small. And it's P less politics. capital F family. It's yeah. or maybe it's more capital F family in the mm. sense that it's more like the mafia family. <laughs> like you know, it's like there's this family business of politics that you're in. And, you know, if you turn the wrong guy on you, you're gonna get stabbed in the back. You know, it right. really has this feeling of like the family in the sense of um a political unit that uh is more about power than it is about love or continuing well, yeah, the line it's like, or any, it's, it's tribalistic. Like it's mm-hmm. you know Habs versus Leafs or whatever. <laughs> this yes. is this is what you're. Yeah. Um. It's it's Habs versus lightning at this point. Like, well, yes. Is, I mean, yeah. when when we're recording this, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Stanley Cup final in yeah. July. <laughs> it's um, a weird feeling, but yeah. <laughs> yes, but. Uh, um, it, yeah, so it, like tribalistic, I think, is a good way mm-hmm. of, of looking at it, which is is what politics ends up devolving yeah, into, into, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're on your team, you're you have your sides to pick, you have your flags and your colors. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, that's who right. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, just a point I wanted to make when I was jotting down that point, I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting distinction between, um, and it might be the line between something like. Richard III possibly being a tragedy. Right. Even though it's a history play. Yeah. And King Lear being based on a historical figure, but very obviously being a tragedy. Same with like Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah. Um, and even Julius Caesar, I guess, to an extent. But it's it's the line where 
the family dynamics are primary and the politics are secondary. That feels like more of the tragedy side. Um, when the family is primary? Yeah. Okay. So like Richard III, like like I said in the intro, yeah. you know, you get his sense of him being the aggrieved younger brother who was always cast down and he has the hunch and he's unhappy about his status in this family. Yes. But he also wants to be king. Yes. It's, it's, you, it's hard to tell where that line is between him just hating his family and him wanting to be king. Right. Um, and then you have uh, like something like uh, Henry V yeah. as well. In Henry IV, he has that amazing scene where he thinks his father's dead. Yes. And he has this merging between the personal, uh, oh my God, my father's dead. And, and the also, political, oh my I'm God, I'm going to be king right away. Yeah. So he has this uh, kind of dual role. And then, yeah, you get to Hamlet where, yes, he's the prince of Denmark and his uncle father is the king. But, uh, it's but the politics are yeah. totally secondary to the family dynamic. Yeah. So I think that's and kind of like interesting. also, like, like the political ramifications of splitting up your kingdom are, are absolutely front and center, but it does have yeah. um, the personal politics yeah. and the personal dynamics come to the fore. Yeah, I think that might be... And that, that might be why Richard III is so... Straddles the line for me anyway, because, mm-hmm. because the personal and political are, are really quite... Mixed up, yeah. Same with, and same with Henry the Fourth, I yeah. think, especially in the part one. Uh, I think part two is a little, little more muddled. But mm-hmm. By Henry the Fifth, it's a purely political play, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah, you still have that core. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting. Just wanted to throw it out there. This is why you're the smart one. No, this is why I just did the notes for this one. I, I, I occasionally <laughs> a good thought will pop in there. It does happen. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in our philosophy. Uh, so some of the we want to just quickly classify the different kinds of family dysfunctions in yeah. in Shakespeare's plays. Um, I've got four general headings. Um, first one is kind of unfilial children. So this is where the children have broken away from the family. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they're doing their own thing. In that one, in that category, I kind of threw in uh, Romeo and Juliet to yeah. an extent, uh, The Tempest a little bit, Lear obviously, uh, and All's Well That Ends Well kind of. Uh, yeah, in there okay. a little bit, you okay. know. So like disobeying little... your parents, going against what the yes. the family needs in yes. order to pursue your personal yes. Joys. Interestingly enough, that's also as we talked about in in many of these plays, the uh, the social culture yes. stuff happening yes, at the time with the rise of Protestantism that, yes, and the exactly. rise of individualism. Yeah. Um, heading into the Enlightenment, this is not an unusual thing, but. But it is it does play a really interesting role when you've got um, well as we talked about with Romeo and Juliet and uh, we haven't talked about the Tempest but Lear when you've got children that go against the grain yes how they're punished and how they're yeah. they all of these plays with the exception of All's Well that ends well which arguably is kind of <laughs> yeah. upsetting yeah. anyway yeah. Um, are they end well the Tempest doesn't end badly but it's it's not I, I wouldn't classify that as like a yeah, it's not a happy. It's kind of relationship, a happy. Is it? I don't know. I think that. Between Prospero and Miranda? I think the Tempest is the most interesting one. I think. Well, I, I have a few notes further down about the Tempest because I think mm-hmm. it is the one example of um, the uh, ideal patriarchal family being upheld and at the same time being undercut by the patriarchy's own admission that it's a stupid idea. Right. Like Prospero kind of hands off. 
to yeah. Miranda at the end, and he's he's okay with her doing her own thing. Yeah. Um, which is really the source of all sorts of problems, especially Lear being the most obvious example of unfilial children is just they have a mind of their own. Yeah. And you know, Romeo and Juliet too. It's just like, well, they're gonna fall in love and and marry their own kid or marry whoever they want. Yeah. Is that really so bad? And of course, well, in the king, in an absolute monarchy slash household, it is. And yeah. uh, bad things tend to happen in these kind of situations, right? When you uh, throw in a play like Merchant of Venice into mm-hmm. that, when you have a character like Jessica, whose yes. disobedience of her father is seen as a good thing. That's true. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Where it doesn't really, um, uh, unless as we talked about in our episode on, on the Merchant of Venice, um, modern, a modern audience, a modern rate of that, mm-hmm. it maybe sees that as more tragic yeah. um, for the relationship between Shylock and Jessica, but also for, it adds to the, tragedy of Shylock at the end of the play um it kind of it doesn't really fit with those in the same sense because they take the same well I I I don't know I don't know I don't know what Shakespeare is saying about children that don't obey their parents because sometimes like you said in in the Tempest maybe it's it's you know Accepted. It's accepted Almost, yeah, in all's well that ends well. It's it's kind of encouraged in a sense. Well, and then yeah, he gets away with it in the end, and everything all's well that ends well. Right. You know, he, he's not. But really in Romeo and Juliet, they are punished yeah. for it, and yeah. Juliet especially, and in um, Lear, Cordelia is punished for it, and well, and in Goneril and Regan both die as well. Like right. everybody's everybody's punished yeah, that, yeah. in that play in particular. But, no, it, but Jessica kind yeah. of is is held up as like a paragon of of this is she yeah. she can. Converted for Love. Lorenzo. Yes. Lorenzo? Lorenzo. Wow. Yeah. I can't remember his name while we were reading the play. That's amazing. Lorenzo. Anyway. You're it, impressive. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, the next kind of category is uh, fighting siblings. Uh, this one comes up quite a bit, uh, as you like it. Good old sibling rivalry. Sibling yeah. rivalry. It's there. Measure for measure yep. as well. Um, and obviously King Lear as well. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the ones where it's... The, again, this is... I find the siblings... Uh, disputes are obviously a lot less charged, so they're they're usually in the comedies. Uh, the other category I have is orphans, and right. those ones where there is no parent, that's kind of its own uh, mm-hmm. thing. But but again, these sibling issue ones are really focused on the comedies, and it provides well, like a. Sorry, no, I well, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but um, you've got plays like uh, Richard the Third. You've got plays yeah, like yeah. Um, uh, oh my gosh, where you've got the the bastard, the two brothers, um, Edgar and Edmund from... Falconbridge. Oh yes, Richard. Was yeah, it, no, King, King John. John. King, King John. John. Right. Um, you so you've got you've got some kind of sibling rivalry going on there. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the more interesting parts of those yeah. plays. Yeah. But they they take place in history plays. Yeah. So that's true. I mean, I, it's not like they're not present. It's in, true. I and I, I kind of. You know, glossed over because again, those ones they feel more political than they mm-hmm. do like dramatic in the sense of having a, a close relationship with these brothers. It's just kind of um, there. Um, yeah, almost whereas, as if to say this is this is the background for why this character yes. is going to act out in this way. Yes, as opposed to it being uh, like sent well. Except for Richard III. That really does. Yeah, now yeah, the winter yeah. of our discontent is kind of a, 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 it's one way to start a play. Let's just put it that way. And it, it really does lay out all of his grievances. And a lot of them do center on, you know, the inferiority of his birth, yeah, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's it's true. Absolutely. Um, I think the other, uh, I, King Lear, again, is also yeah. another good counterexample. Because, like, uh, you do have Edmund and Edgar. And then you also yes. have the sisters. Um 
but again, that one also feels kind of political almost mm-hmm. in a sense that it is so writ large and it is so focused on the impacts of these things on the fathers because Shakespeare's getting older, I think. We, we talked about this last time, so we don't have to bring that back up. Yeah. But yeah, the definitely the fighting siblings is one and um, the orphans, I think, yeah, is a really, orphans, yeah. really big one, obviously. Comedy of Errors comes to mind. Twelfth Night. Um, yeah, Twelfth Night. To an extent. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of the times it's... Uh, orphans that aren't actually orphans and there's a parent somewhere off in the distance or an orphan who has uh, a dead parent who has bequeathed them something that they must you know like uh what's her face in in uh merchant of venice yes you know the caskets and everything yes yes. like all of that where the parent is kind of still there yes so there's a bit of a political bent to that family dynamic they're reaching out for beyond the grave, grave to control, to control their, their children yeah, yeah yeah absolutely life. yeah so i mean like in those ones i think i don't know if there's like a a, a, a consistent theme across yeah. them it is really kind of like sometimes it's just there for the comedic effect like that's how i always viewed the merchant of venice ones more just like a, it's a testament to Portia's yeah. character to say, like, yeah, I'm going to follow through on my parents' yeah. wishes. And then, B, you get the hilarious, you know, Princes of Morocco and whoever yeah. the other one is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you have this kind of, like, comedic element to it. And that's often how it works in uh, Twelfth Night and stuff. But it does well. uphold the, the Elizabethan ideal of, you know, the, yeah. the parent being the head of the household, even though they're dead and gone and Portia is running her own household now. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she still has, yes, orders, there's still, yeah. he, there's nothing that her father can do to yeah. stop her from marrying who she loves, but she does it anyway out of, you know, this is what a daughter, this is what a good daughter does. Mm-hmm. So there's still some semblance, I think. Yeah, well, and, and that's and that's actually a good counterpoint to something like Twelfth Night, where yeah. the whole play is basically chaos because these two people are yes. orphans and they're separated from a parental right. function and then it's sorted at the end through marriage where they yeah. both become either the wife of a household or the man of a new right. household right? right they establish these new families yeah um, grounding grounding them and their future well the new families they've the, created into yeah you know i mean that's the whole point of a comedy yeah in the shakespearean definition of it with the with the wedding at the end is or the marriage at the end is to yeah create a new family so that this these uh chaotic and the elements chaos can, yes, yes yeah. be ended yeah the very last one uh quickly is i don't actually have great examples of this because there's only one play that really jumped to mind uh and it's hamlet and it's terrible parents <laughs> Uh, or parents where the or plays where the parents are the main issue. Um, you wouldn't count Romeo and Juliet as being part of this. I feel like the play punishes the children and not the. No, I parents. well, but the play is very specific about That's saying true. that that this is on you, Capulet and Montague, at the yeah, end. A, a curse on both your houses, right? Yeah. So I and and it's it's the houses that are the problem, and mm-hmm. and the fathers are the heads of those households. So I think that we we gotta okay we gotta put them in this with nope. with. Uh, Hamlet as well. I also had Macbeth question mark because yeah. it's kind Absolutely. of like the the failure to produce child. Yes, and to the continue the family. Problem. Yes, exactly. There is well uh, for Lady Macbeth. Well, for Lady Macbeth, and she's the one who pushes Macbeth on, and he wants you know fair point. He doesn't really have a point in becoming king. I mean, that's part of the other problem with him is as he's a bad king of Scotland because he's not going to be able to pass the title on anyways. So well, yeah, that's kind of implied, right? Is yeah. that you know, he wants to be king for his own personal yeah. glory. There's no familial passing on no. of the torch. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that one, again, kind of like the unfamiliar children, it's kind of like a consistent theme in terms of like... Did you make up a word? 
What? Unfamiliar. Unfamiliar. Un- unfilial. Sorry. Filial is what I was meant to say. I probably did say unfamiliar. Y- you said unfilial. Yeah. I'm. I'm just curious. I've never heard that word before. I. Well, it may not be a real word. Again, I constantly make up words. Yeah, I know so you do. I'm sorry. Uh, no, don't be. I think that you know it makes sense in my head. Thank you. Uh, so these terrible parents are uh, punished, and they they right. you, yeah. There's there's only bad things that happen when when the top of the household is is not good. Uh, Richard the Third also when he does become king, another great example. Uh, he has to be set right. So yeah, that's all. Are there any other plays where you want to look for where the parents are punished? Or oh, where the parents are bad, and they all get punished afterwards. Ooh, another example. King Lear. Well, yeah, King Lear. Okay, obviously. That one's too obvious, Lindsay. Okay. I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit. Uh, Winter's Tale, to an extent. Yep. Where uh, he's punished, and then his daughter kind of comes back and yep. and uh, sets right his problem. Cymbeline as well. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Actually, that's a great segue into our yeah. next point, which is the reunification ah, yes. that we touched on a little bit already. This is the one kind of happy family right. instance in Shakespeare. Um yeah, so, and it's it's always kind of like, Lindsay, you can tell me if you agree with this. The reconciliation is usually some sort of physical obstacle, and the underlying issue that often led to the breakup of these families is rarely sorted. I think, like, of The Winter's Tale, where, yeah. you know, his jealousy led him to killing his wife and yeah. potentially his daughter. Yeah. Um, and his son died as well. Exactly. Yeah. He has, he's decimated this family. Yeah. Um, but at the end, it's a magical thing that brings the wife back. Okay. And the daughter. It's it's just a physical reconciliation. I'd say maybe he's an example of one where he's, he's kind atoned of atoned for, for a little bit. Um, but all the other examples, uh, Romeo and Juliet, Comedy of Errors, Twelfth Night, Cymbeline, Maybe not Cymbeline again. Uh, but, you know, most of the comedy ones where it's a separation and then they come back together, it's literally like, oh, you were here all along. Or, oh, you're my exact twin brother with my exact tw- twin brother servant. What do you know? Right, right, right. You know, right, like, right. It, it's very much just the discovery of the yeah. family is... Is what brings them back together. Yeah, whereas the deeper conflicts within a family um, are very rarely resolved. Well... You did mention Romeo and Juliet, and I think that's an interesting one because it's two families who are burying their strife, really. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is genuine. I get the sense that that, that is actually lasting change. Um, but it did take a pretty serious breakup of a family. Like, you lose your mm-hmm. only children um, in order to get you there. So that might run counter to what you're saying yeah it's it that one's an interesting one because it is it's like the family of verona Mm. is reconciled but the individual families are wrecked because their children are dead it's it's a again that one blends the line between political and personal family to an interesting level um i guess some of the histories are kind of like that too well, the histories tend to, if you think of them as families in the sense that they're royal families and mm-hmm. they have a lineage and that kind of thing, and and you're looking at it with the, the 2020 vision yeah. of yeah. being in the future already, <laughs> yeah. so you can read the ending of Richard III as, well, this is the writing of a great grievous wrong, and now, you know, Henry VII is on the throne, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, maybe there's some of that that goes into it 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's again, and I think that's why it feels more like history as opposed mm-hmm. to family drama, um, because you are kind of coming at it with those rose-colored glasses um, to look at it through a political lens primarily. Yeah. But in terms of, of reunifying families, I think we could maybe add to that and just expand our list a little bit with the comedies that end in, in marriages, as you said already once, um, are the, the creation of new families, mm-hmm. right? So you could look at that as being a kind of a reunification of families or, or not reunification, a unification of families mm-hmm. because um, getting rid of that chaos that made the comedy and setting up stable marriages at the end of it now how many of those marriages are going to last how many of them are stable really how many of them are based in love i mean we could really but but you can look at those as the the creation of a new family is that enough to say it's it's happy a happy ending a happy family yeah you know we've talked a lot about uh, a lot of these comedies that end on pretty horrible notes yeah. um two gentlemen of verona all's well that ends well yeah. um they don't really Mary wives of windsor doesn't really Mary wives of windsor no like, i mean yeah. it it they end up very there's some there's a lot of dissatisfaction yeah. in the endings because yeah. the marriages don't tip to our modern sensibilities don't seem like they are going to lead to any lasting happiness yeah. but in the elizabethan sense a marriage is a marriage is a marriage. Yes. So this is a good thing. But, but it's undercut because the whole problem often is like these bad marriages yeah, in no, the you're play, right. right? You're absolutely like, right. It's, it's this subtextual kind of implication that I don't think anybody in Shakespeare's time, even Shakespeare himself, may have been fully cognizant of the way that he's undercutting. Um, well, maybe Shakespeare was. I, I'll give him. I'll grant him that because he was a genius probably. But, you know, like like he's undercutting <laughs> no it at the same time. Here. No, of course not. Uh, but, yeah, he's undercutting it at the same time as he's reinforcing the, yeah. the Elizabethan ideals. So I think that's, that's interesting. And I want to jump back to uh, The Tempest because I think it is probably the strongest example of um, a family that's initially happy although i think that happiness is based entirely on patriarchal yes he has complete control over miranda using magic even to keep her in line um and when what's his nuts shows up i can't remember never remember his name neither do i anyways when what's his nuts shows up uh and she's all gaga for him and everything's thrown into chaos for a little while yeah um the ending isn't i mean it is a marriage but it's also prospero handing off his staff yeah and uh ceasing to control his daughter's life and mm-hmm. allowing her to make that choice for herself the um, way Lear should have done exactly yeah it's 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 like Lear updated and happy is what <laughs> is what uh, the Tempest Lear with a happy like. ending yeah the 18th century was happy with that with this play I would imagine <laughs> yeah exactly and I, I just think that's interesting because it is this final play and it is um I'd say the most emotionally adept and the most emotionally uh, mm-hmm. sophisticated play in mm-hmm. that sense of having a family that yes has some structure. It has the family stone dynamic. Is yeah, what I'm I was going to say that's what it's, you're that's what you're getting at. You're at, really going to have to put a synopsis or something. In. <laughs> we'll link to the IMDb page after that. You got to go watch it yourself. But yeah, it's it it has this 
happiness right. possi- possibility within the family dynamic, but that doesn't mean that there is a happy family at all times. Right. It's it's a normal dysfunction. Normal. Yeah. Well, it's, it feels real. Like yeah. it feels like that's how a lot of I mean, some families. If are your dad was a magician, <laughs> and like this is how a family would, you know. It feels like a happy family. That that's my that's my thing is that it is the one example of, of a, a genuinely happy family. Yeah, and it's it's not happy because it it follows the Elizabethan standards. It's happy because it doesn't follow them. Mm, okay. And I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's worth noting. I think in our in our look at families here. If I longer stay, we shall begin our ancient bickering. So we're capping off our rather shorter, shortened, short-ish Short, ish episode. Shorter. Shorter than the last couple, that's Because sure. it's hot as balls in our studio today. Yes, we are in the middle of a heat wave, and so we're cutting straight to the ancient bickering. Yes, which is going to be less bickering, I think, and more just our opinions about things. Uh, not even an opinion. It's it's like a personal flavor. Like, okay, here's the question. It's nice and simple. <laughs> if you had to pick, which one of Shakespeare's families would you want to be a part of? I proposed this question, yeah. and I don't have an answer for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I was thinking, and what immediately jumped to me was Hamlet, just because I'd love wow. to watch it fall apart. Oh but the, I definitely wind up dying in the end. So I was like, no, no, let's not do, let's not do Hamlet. Uh, Macbeth is right out. King Lear is right out. Uh, the royals are all terrible. Uh, I don't really want to screw up the ten, tenuous dynamics between. Like, if I was in Prospero's family, all of a sudden I'd be the one inheriting everything, and he'd be looking at me and controlling me with his magic wand. So. There's really not very many great ones, so I think I'll just go with uh, Twelfth Night. Damn it! That's Is that what, what I you was going to put too? Okay, okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We can. It's going to be the one episode that we agree. <laughs> There's absolutely no disagreement because they're just they're they're happy. They're twins. Everybody's getting along, and uh, you know shipwrecks. Nothing can keep them apart. They yeah. will find each other. They will look out for each other, and one of them will bang the one that the other one was in love with. I think. I don't remember how that play ends, to be honest. You don't remember how Twelfth Night ends? I remember how it ends. I don't remember who's in love with who at the end. It's all very confusing. It's mistaken identities. I mean, I will I will say, you know, having parents like the Merry Wives of Windsor would be hilarious. It would be. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Especially when Uncle Falstaff can, comes to town. Right. And you can just, like, <laughs> sit back and do your darning and watch from afar as chaos ensues. I think that would be entertaining as hell. It's true. Um, also, being Katarina and Bianca's sister, the, the wallflower that... Oh, I didn't even think of Taming you know, of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew would be interesting, yeah. you know. Uh, that could be really fun. To be Mr. the third sister. Mr. Manola. What, what, Baptista Manola, is that his name? The you father? remember the name? I think so. Wow. Wow. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I just me. made that up. Well, I could have just made that up. It's pretty good if it is. I like that But name. to be to be like the, the forgotten third sister who's just like, hey guys, no, don't I'm notice me. Yeah. I'm also here, but I don't want to be part of this. Just jump in. I'd be in the background of every scene like delivering a baby, like Abed in that episode yeah, of Community exactly. where he's just like, he has just a like, whole other adventure just going on <laughs> in the background. That, that would be, that would be cool. That'd I think that right. would be acceptable. Yeah. Um, it would definitely have to be uh, or, or, or um, uh, uh, as you like it, I think would be fun just because there's there's siblings and there's, you know, fathers getting involved and there's all. Yeah. But I think, you know, in the end, that's 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 maybe the one that to me feels like it's it fits with my ethos, <laughs> sure. you know, hippies going off into the forest. <laughs> 
I say as a prissy city girl. Yeah, you would never live in the forest. But it's aspirational for me. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wish I was like. And you'd go back into the city afterwards and everything's Yeah, I'd I'd go slum it in the forest for a little while and then come back to my high-rise condo and everything would be fine. That's fair, that's fair. But Twelfth Night probably is what I have to go with. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodnight till it be morrow. So, Lindsay... What's next on our lists? We have a uh, Timon of Athens. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Which um, we've never read. No. Never seen. Nope. Didn't even know it existed. D- knew it existed. I didn't know it existed. I knew it existed. That's because you're smarter than me. And then after that, we have Macbeth coming up, right? Like, that's the next yes, big one. Yes. Yes. I think uh, that's... Um, yeah. You know what? We're getting pretty close. That's the last... I mean, unless you count The Tempest, but... Uh, Macbeth is still taught in high school. So that's what, yeah. when I think about, yeah. like, the big, the big Shakespeare's plays, yeah. plays, it's, it's, Macbeth is, is up there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we still have Antony and Cleopatra and all the, a lot of the late uh, romances and stuff, Cymbeline yeah. and all those. But yeah, we're getting, we're getting near later, later years here. So yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to uh, tackle these these later plays and i mean we've already the, talked the about the great a lot. complexities that come yeah, with them right yeah. i mean you just i know our episodes have started to get quite long lately but i mean there's so much you can talk about there's such a richness to mm-hmm. the stories that are being told and the way that they're being told as well that um it's hard to cram it into well already this episode is over half an hour so yeah and we're just talking about families yeah. but uh yeah it'll it'll be an interesting way to round off this back quarter of our yeah. With our look at Shakespeare's collected works. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It'll, mm, be, it'll yeah, be a lot of fun. Although we do have to talk about Macbeth and Lady Macbeth and babies and unsexed, unsexed me here. Yeah, yes, yeah. and it'll be out, fun. out damn spot. And I love that a play. lot of gruesome, oh, bloody. It's such a good play, though. I love it. You're giving me a weird look. I, You're yeah, because well, I, it's just so violent. I don't know. They're all violent. Yeah, but but we had a guy eyes gouged gouged out. Come on, I know, that's but violence. There's, there's beheadings and there's witches and there's yeah, the cool shit, the cool <laughs> shit. We hope you'll join us for the cool shit that's coming. <laughs> that should be the tagline. Join us for the cool shit. <laughs> You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheBixPod, or by email at TheBixPod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.